sacrifice. Oh, son of a bitch. I did it for the ride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Turnbuckle Training, introducing first your longtime fan, short-time podcaster, and former fantasy wrestling hardcore champion, Peyton, the man of 420 holds, Green. (laughs) And his tag team partner, making his debut in the wacky world of fighting fools, Zach, the Zubin Missile Crisis, Barlow. Okay, I, I really don't know how the Cuban Missile Crisis is relevant. Exactly. It's it's like Y2J. Ah, yes. Well, it is relevant in that he debuted in WWE close to the to Y... In August of 99. Okay, okay. well, close enough. I don't think it counts. Why he's still using the name now... Is anyone's guess. Yeah, no, at the time I would accept it for sure, but uh, certainly not now. This is a show for longtime wrestling fans and rookies alike. We're going to take you through some of the biggest shows, matches, and rivalries in wrestling history, or at least what fits my narrative for today. Oh, and what is that narrative you're spinning today? Uh, the narrative is going to be all about... So, here's the thing. We've done a themed episode around Thanksgiving. We've done a themed episode around Christmas. Now we got to do a themed episode around the new year. And what wrestler comes to mind when you think of the new year? And that's Chris Jericho because of the whole Y2J thing. And also because New Year's is champagne. And Chris Jericho said that funny line not too long ago where he was like, Ooh, a little bit of the bubbly. And now everyone, <laughs> now, it's a, now it's a meme. Um, yeah, and if you know nothing about wrestling or how this intro script is supposed to go, don't worry, because I don't either. Yeah, yeah, I think we kind of kind of passed that one, but I'm glad you, you, I'm glad you're going in reverse. I circled back know? around. I circled yeah, back around yeah. to it. it. It's, it's fine. It's just as good now. I, I agree. I think it's even better now. Um, uh, just but, like saying that Raw is Jericho is just as good now. Yeah, I feel like you know, I, and I've read through your through your thing, your notes. I have some. I, I it, it's hard for me, you know, because I feel like we we got to get into it before I can start addressing some of the stuff you brought up in your notes. Oh, you have notes just on let, my notes. Well, like in my head, because I'll just say there are some things you put in your notes that do have explanations. Okay, or at least one thing. Who knows? Or actually several things, yeah. But uh, but no, we're going to be talking about Chris Jericho, which I don't know how you felt about this episode but uh, or how you feel about Chris Jericho. But here's – so here's my take, my overall general take, because I know you all are, are asking for it and wanting it. There are a lot of wrestlers who are good wrestlers because they're good in the ring. And there are a lot of wrestlers who are good wrestlers because they're good talkers. They're good on the mic. There is only, like, there's a, a small list of, of guys who are both. And I think Chris Jericho is certainly one of them. Yeah, no, that was sort of the impression I got. I, I like him well enough. Um, but I feel like he is sort of at the bottom of that tier list of people. Um, 
I don't know, man. I have to, I have to like really wholeheartedly disagree with you. I, I mean, I like him. I like him well enough. He's just kind of vanilla in a lot of ways. He doesn't Whoa. stand out to me too, too much. This is a hot take, my man. I know it's scalding, but it's just like, you know, okay. Chris Jericho, at least for all like ten years, was basically just spicy Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I guess. And here's the thing. is The other thing about Chris Jericho is I think he keeps getting better because he's still around today. Uh, and at the time, you know, he's always he's always been very well received by the wrestling community, except for you, apparently. No, I, uh. li- I like him. I like him. I think that he – but I think that, like, he doesn't – have what like the rock has he doesn't have what cena has he doesn't have what it takes to be like the number one guy um and i think that part of his status just comes from the fact that he's been there for so long okay let's give this caveat in that we did only go up to 2007 we have like more than another decade left of chris jericho's career oh definitely for sure but which I, I do believe Chris, we're gonna we're gonna get to right and of course yes and and in our next episode we're gonna be really analyzing a, what is quite possibly his greatest rivalry and storyline of all time but uh um I will say this in his Wikipedia page it does say he has been named by journalists and industry colleagues as one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Yeah, I mean, like, Wikipedia's pages can say anything about anybody. Wikipedia pages can say I'm one of the greatest podcasters of all time. They don't, but it could. What does your Wikipedia page say? Nothing, because it doesn't exist. I mean, you could make one for yourself. No, you can't, because you can't be the primary source for your own Wikipedia page. That's true. Uh, that, that is true. I learned that from the newsroom. <laughs> is that also where you learned that from? Probably so. Well, I suppose let's dive into it, and hopefully I can change your mind on Chris Jericho. I mean, okay, I, again, it's not like I don't like the man. It's not like I sat here and was disgusted by Chris Jericho. I do think I do think that Chris Jericho comes back with a lot more flavor when he comes back later in his career with short hair. Yeah, and and it's weird. It's not many people start getting, like, really, like, pop, like even better once they're a decade into their career. Yeah. And now he's, like, two decades into his career and is, like, still super relevant. The other cool thing about Chris Jericho is, so a little background on him, his dad is a NHL, or was an NHL player, uh, played hockey professionally, um, and... Chris Jericho has a lot of exploits outside of wrestling. He's a podcaster. He is a has a rock band, Fozzie. Um, he uh, he also um, started his own rock and roll cruise. He did this cruise called like Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Tour, where he like his band played music on a. Cruise ship. I knew there was a reason he reminded me of Sting and not the WCW one. Yeah, especially when he comes back with his short hair and his sparkly jacket. Yes, 
Very much uh, so. There is a big Sting vibe. Um, I've I, I've been reading his book. I've kind of fallen off on it. I've been reading one of his books, and uh, he uh, he's a very big fan of Kiss, a lot of other rock bands, but mostly Kiss. And in fact, even played with them on Kiss's cruise uh, cruise line. And he told a really funny story about how he had some really great shows, and then like they booked him for one night to play on the same night and at the same time that Kiss was playing. And he was like, what the hell? Who is going to come watch me play music at the same time Kiss is playing on Kiss's cruise? (laughs) And he was like, there were like 100 people out of like 7,000. That is hilarious. But you know... Uh, sort of this jack-of-all-trades music wrestling podcasting. He's a regular Jeremy Renner. I, I mean, I mean, is he? I'm just taking a shot at Jeremy Renner. For making I'm bad to think- music and also being a uh, kind of nothing actor. Oh, I was trying to think. Jericho doesn't have an app. <laughs> But he probably should. He probably should. I would. I would download the Jericho app in a heartbeat. Um, uh, so uh, let's uh do a little a little bit more of uh of Jericho's uh, background. He uh he gets started in his career in 1990. Uh, trains with the Hart brothers in the famous Hart Dungeon. Uh, he's Canadian. So, uh, you know, he, something about Canadian wrestlers, like, why does Canada, like, churn out so many great wrestlers? Yeah, um, what are the hearts doing up there to people? Is there a heart, they talk about the heart dungeon, you know, we all know that, which I'm thinking is not like some of the dungeons I've seen, um, sort of in the internet. Uh, no man there there are like there there's like you know like medieval torture devices yeah yeah chains i I was making a joke about uh pornography but um yeah oh oh okay yeah you were being a little dirty slut huh indeed i was and that's what they say in a lot of those dungeons that i see on the internet (laughs) 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 but you know, I'm beginning to think that there's, like, a gene-editing labs in the heart's basement where they're just genetically modifying wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like, uh, it's like, Stu Hart is, is basically Palpatine. Yeah, they're making, like, Master Chief down there or something. <laughs> but, no, I mean, they got Jericho, Benoit, Edge, Christian... Um, Benoit is actually, the genetic experiment that just like went super wrong. Oh yeah, shut it all down. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Jericho trains with a lot of those guys. Uh, he he makes his debut as Cowboy Chris Jericho. Uh, yeehaw. Um, yeah. Wow. So Chris Jericho has to be coming up on fifty, right? Let's let's see how old. Jericho is. He is forty nine. Wow. So he will be turning. He will be turning fifty later this year. Um. But uh, yeah, no, he's. But he starts when he's nineteen. He uh. 
he ends up getting his first big shot. Um, interestingly enough, because Mick Foley saw him wrestle. Huh. Uh, Mick Foley saw him wrestle, and he uh, he gave a tape of him wrestling to uh, to Paul Heyman, and uh, they ended up bringing him into ECW. Um, I didn't really include any of his ECW matches on here because he was only there for like less than a year. Uh, yeah, and he doesn't really strike me as the ECW type. You know, the like we talked about in our ECW episode, the people that call ECW home. I don't really think Chris Jericho because I'm just now learning that he was a part of it. Well, uh, and a lot of people, you know, went through ECW that aren't like extreme, you know. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, of course, was in ECW. He does pretty well. He wins the ECW World Television Championship. Um, and he's kind of like more of the like athletic wrestler. Because, you know, we talked about ECW putting a different style of wrestling on the map. And, and Jericho really does that. Um Eventually, he ends up going to WCW. That's where he kind of makes his mark. A lot of people really like him. But as we talk about with WCW all the time, it's that whole little man can't do big man wrestle. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's such a shame. Yeah. What wasted talent. And our first match is going to be Chris Jericho versus Eddie Guerrero at WCW Fall Brawl 1997 for the Cruiserweight Championship. And just to give you an idea, isn't it wild that Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho are opening up a pay-per-view? Absolutely it is. That is... Like, I mean, of course everybody has to start somewhere, but, like, think about it. They're two wrestlers whose names are going to, like, be... They're legendary names in wrestling, and they're opening up a show. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know... It, Taking in the context of the time, like, they weren't necessarily as huge as they would become, but I think you're yeah. right. I think that that is just showing the the how WCW handles guys like these. And nothing against the Cruiserweight title, but it's also funny to see them wrestling for the Cruiserweight title, because even though, like, yes, technically they are Cruiserweights, I don't think of them as Cruiserweights. Yes, yeah, certainly that makes not any Guerrero. Sense. Yeah, uh, I mean, they do fit into the size category, and, and they do like some of the more cruiserweighty moves, but, you know, it's just, it's it's interesting to see them that way. But uh, uh, you mentioned what's with the two rings gimmick. I will uh, explain that. So it was a match type in WCW, an actually pretty cool match type. Um that the WWE recently did, but it was called a War Games match. Maybe we'll watch one of those one day because it's a super cool concept. But it's basically like there's a cage, more like a cell. So it's like a hell in a cell. It has a roof, but it doesn't have, like, the space on the outside to where you can go outside of the ring. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it goes around the two cells, and it's like two teams of five. And they enter at, like, intervals. So, like... uh Kind of so like, like a out, Royal Rumble. Kind of, but it, it starts out with two guys, and then, like, every... And they wrestle for five minutes, and then another person comes out, and then it's, like, every two minutes after that, another person comes out. And the only way you can win is by making someone quit. It's a ten-man submission match. Well, it's more... Well, it's kind of like... It's submission, kind of, but it's also more like... 
it's more like I quit. Like like less less like submission match and more like like oh man, this guy is beating this guy to death with like a bolt. <laughs> which actually happened. Uh they're pretty good. They're pretty good matches. Uh but for some reason they require two rings. So at the events where they do those, they have two rings. So Okay, interesting. There we go. Uh, I think this is a pretty good match with these two guys. You know, lots of trading holds back and forth, um, trying for uh, trying for some submissions, uh, trading roll ups. I like I like that. Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of a lot of interesting mat work going on here, um, which you know I'm not the biggest fan of, but I mean, pretty good stuff. Um. Jericho is trying for the lion salt. Uh, he gets a two count. Um, at one point, Eddie puts Jericho in this crazy chinlock surfboard submission move, uh, which I think you thought was funny. Oh, the the like move they did while they're standing up. It's like a standing submission. It's just kind of goofy because it's like. Clearly, this requires cooperation from both of them. Oh, I think I think you mean. Oh, that's when he puts him in like the gory special, like where he's like upside down on his back. Uh, no, no, that was that they called the announced team called it a upside down backbreaker. That was sick. I did love that move. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a move invented by uh by Eddie's uh grandfather, I think. Ah, gory Guerrero. Um. Uh, Jericho reverses it and puts Eddie in it, um, and then eventually lifts him up on his shoulders and drops him on his face. Um, uh, eventually, Chris Jericho is going to hit a springboard dropkick, send Eddie to the apron, and then he and then he lifts him up for a power bomb, but instead drops him on his throat on the top rope, and then Jericho kind of crashes into the guardrail. Um, Uh, eventually we're going to go back into the ring and, uh, and, and Eddie's going to charge at Jericho, gets a power slam for his troubles. Eddie's going for a hurricane around him, but Jericho just picks him up and power bombs him twice, puts him on the top rope. Jericho follows him up, but somehow Eddie reverses it into a brain buster in midair and then follows that up with a frog splash for the three count and the win. So getting our first taste of Jericho there. Pretty good match, showing he can hold his own with someone like Eddie Guerrero. But this is kind of Jericho's spot throughout of all of his time in WCW. A taste of Jericho sounds like a great Mediterranean restaurant. <laughs> a taste of Jericho. A tour of Jericho. Uh, I don't think I mentioned how he got his name. Uh, someone asked him what his ring name was. And he got nervous and was like, uh, 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 Chris Jericho, which is apparently from a metal album uh, called The Walls of Jericho. Not from the Bible. Yeah, okay. He because, got it from a metal album. You know, I'm pretty sure, and I, I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that the whole thing with The Walls of Jericho and the Bible is that you just walk around them for three days and they crumble. Yeah, it's not that powerful of a name, but, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, but pretty, um, I mean, I will say it's, it's pretty catchy, pretty dope name. Super cool that it came from a metal album, though. That's hilarious. 
Yeah, and not not the Bible. I guess it originally came from the Bible, but um, so Chris Jericho ends up launching a feud with Dean Malenko, um, and Dean Malenko at the time is known as the Man of a Thousand Holds. Um, so Jericho decides to one up him, and he says he's the Man of a Thousand and Four Holds. Which I think is really funny that he went to four. Yeah, like, the, what an oddly specific number. You know what it makes me think of? One. is how John Leguizamo in The Pest is a man of a million disguises. And Chris Jericho's a man of a million and four. <laughs> uh, but this is where we see Jericho's funny side. Jericho, that's the thing, is Jericho, whether he's a heel or a face, he's very funny. Um, and he's really showing that off here. Because he seriously comes in with a big old, like, like long sheet of paper listing every move he knows. <laughs> um, most of which are armbar. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I actually wrote down all the ones that he named, uh, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them to you. Number one, arm drag. Number two, armbar. Number three... The moss-covered three-handled family Gradunza. Number four, armbar. <laughs> Number five, the Saskatchewan spinning nerve hold. Uh, he eventually goes to right-handed punch, left-handed punch. <laughs> and then we go to break and come back, and he's already at, like, 700. Yeah, no, I love, I love that jump. That we are just supposed to believe that he has listed off 700-plus moves during the commercial break. Uh, he's, he's literally he's making up ridiculous names for moves. That, uh, you, you asked whether or not they, they exist. Many of them do not. Oh, yeah. I had a feeling that the Super Blizzard wasn't real. Uh, one of them, I literally I wrote down the good blah, 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 because I don't know what he said. Uh... We're literally, he's literally still talking through someone's entrance. Um, Prince Ayukea, um, who takes the mic and says that Jericho is dishonoring Malenko's memory, which is a weird thing to say about a guy who's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he, like, takes his papers and he starts walking to the back and he's like, I still have 200 more. <laughs> um,. Jericho is not very long for WCW. Um, he's kind of mishandled, and he gets he starts actually like kind of shooting while he's in WCW. Like he starts getting really frustrated. There's there's uh, there's one point where he uh, he walked around Washington D.C. with a sign "Conspiracy Victim," saying that he was part of a conspiracy to be, like, underbooked. That's uh, hilariously petty. Which, like, okay, I mean, it was part, it was, it was, it was in character, but, like, he was also, like, it's based on, like, real life. Um, but, uh, he's gonna end up leaving and going to the WWE in 1999, and that's where we start seeing these, these, uh, these vignettes play that's counting down to the millennium, and no one knows really what's going on. 
We decided to debut a little bit early. We don't count down to the new millennium. We just, we just, we get to August and we're like, that's enough. <laughs> and uh, Jericho makes his big debut in the WWE, um, and it's it's against uh, it's against The Rock, which I I gotta say is a pretty big deal for a guy who's being treated like a nobody in WCW to make his debut against. Basically, their biggest star. Yeah, well, and you know, uh, some people had to suspect that that clock was counting down to Chris Jericho. I don't know how they did, but the people in the audience have signs for him, so someone yeah. knew he was coming. Well, with the internet, yeah, the, that's I think a good people point. were able, like, because things, you know, uh, it's the old telephone, telegram, telewrestler. Nothing really stays secret. In wrestling, you know, I think it's very interesting, and and I would love for someone to do research into this. But it's almost like the wrestling community is one of the oldest, like internet communities. It really, it really is. I managed to find a like an internet board discussing the Montreal Screwjob from the night it happened, and that wow. happened in 1997. Which I mean, I realized that the internet was around in 1997, but I didn't realize like. Internet forums were around in 1997. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, no, re- wrestling really is one of the oldest internet communities for sure. Um, because, like, wrestling has always been kind of talked about as, like, you know, as far as the behind-the-scenes stuff. It used to be, like, dirt sheets people would pass around and like, magazines. Some zines? Yeah, some some zines. You know, that's what the kids call them. No, well, a zine is specifically a magazine that you make at home and hand out to people. Oh, I didn't know that was a real thing. Yeah, yeah. They're like like magazines that are not like actually published by anyone, but you just made yourself as a zine. Well, I, I meant these are real magazines made by real people. Like, there were real magazines about wrestling. But, you know, I think because of what wrestling is and the type of medium it is or media that it is, is that it lends itself to people like going on the internet and talking about it because it's like, it's a fake sport, you know? Right. And, and so uh, that you don't get a lot of information right out to you about like what the ins and outs are. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I think it's always been very big, uh, part of the internet. Um, even when I was growing up, and I'll get into some of me being an internet wrestling fan um, a little bit later in this very episode. Oh, what a tease! Yeah. Um. So, uh, the rock gets interrupted. The clock is counting down to August of 1999. Um, the pyro goes off, and break down the wall starts playing. I gotta say, I think it's really cool. That Chris Jericho kept the same entrance music for, like, basically his whole career. Yeah, yeah. Like, other than before he was in WWE. But, I mean, he still, I mean, he doesn't use it now because he's not in WWE anymore. But throughout his whole WWE career, he was using the same entrance music, um, which is which is cool. Uh, the crowd is going nuts. Like you said, there's some people who had already figured it out. Uh, he says, welcome to Raw is Jericho, because at the time it was called Raw is War. Uh, I have a question for you. Do you have any idea why they stopped calling it Raw is War? Um, okay, what year was this? Let's see, 99. I'm going to say because actual war happened. 
Yeah, after 9-11, they stopped calling it Raw is War. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Jericho says he is the new millennium for the WWF. He's the new hero and party host. He starts dropping his catchphrases. The Ayatollah of rock and rolla. I hate that one so much. He's got weird catchphrases, but, you know. This is basically like a clash of the two catchphrase kings. Yeah, no, definitely here. I, I do love the interactions between him and Rock. He's basically shooting on WWF because he says he's what they desperately need right now. He says the WWF is a cliche and boring and in dire need of a knight in shining armor. He's come to save them. Talks about television ratings and pay-per-view buy rates. Uh, the crowd's still hot for The Rock, though. Yeah, um, I mean, very much so. Because, of course, the, like uh, he's getting over as a heel here big time because you come to a WWF show and start insulting the WWF, you know, people get mad. And that's, they put him in a tough spot. I mean, it was cool to put him up against The Rock, but also, on the other hand, you're putting him up against The Rock, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's hard to uh, it's hard to get the crowd to like you when you're against one of the most likable wrestlers of all time. But I mean, I think they did what they needed to do and get got him established as a heel. Oh, absolutely. Um, he says the first time in WWF history they have a man who could entertain them. He says the Y2J problem is here, so he's calling himself a problem, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, you know, because of that thing in all the computers where they couldn't actually, like, the, the clocks were messed up, and they couldn't actually come to Chris Jericho, so everyone thought all the nukes were going to go off. Yeah, Chris Jericho is what saved us from Y2K. There you go. Um, he says the WWF will never, ever... Be the same again. <laughs> Which is a catchphrase I love. It is pretty good. Uh, then The Rock does his whole know your role, shut your mouth, calls him a jabroni, asks him what his name is, and says, It doesn't matter what your name is. There you go. Uh, he talks about... He has the KY jelly plan, which means he's going to lube up his foot, turn it sideways, and stick it up Chris Jericho's candy ass. If you smell what the rock is cooking. I, I thought this was a great debut, but Jericho get, did get buried a little bit. Yeah, no, they definitely, I, I agree. Um, but he plays it well. Like, he, yeah. they cut to him while the rock is, is doing this, and he literally looks like he's going to cry, which is so good. Um I mean, I would cry if if Dwayne Johnson just started styling on me. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Jericho had a hard time kind of integrating with the WWF because, you know, and that was the thing. A lot of guys who came over from WCW were seen as kind of like the enemy. You know you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, absolutely. From... As a sort of an outsider, I could totally see that. And uh, his style was a little bit different, so he had to kind of rework his style and at first, you know, he wasn't that good. Uh, he, he, you know, I think his first match uh, was considered to be pretty bad, actually. Really? Um, so we didn't put that one in there. Um, but he gets his first pretty major storyline is going to be with Chris Benoit. Uh, two guys who are 
pretty good friends in real life. Uh, they have a lot in common. They're both from Canada, and they're both named Chris. <laughs> they both came from WCW and ECW. Um, they're both always told they're too small, and they both have their submission moves. Do you think? So, do you think that constantly being told he was too small was one of the influencing factors on Chris Benoit? Because I, I, you know, I know what that's like being five seven and all. I mean, yeah, I think for both of them it was for for I, I don't know I don't know what you're implying if about Chris Benoit, but I'm implying I that think, Chris Benoit was called too small and it, it, it drove him to madness. Uh, I don't think that was it. I think it was him getting hit in the head with a chair all the time. <laughs> uh, but I do think it drove them to, you know, try to be better wrestlers in spite of what people told them. Um, uh, so we're going to go to this Intercontinental Championship submission match at Judgment Day 2000. I know that you're excited over a match that can only end in submission. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. But if you're going to do it, you do it with these two guys. Yeah, I mean, that is true. Like, their two big moves are submission moves, so it works. Yeah, they're talking about what's going to win. Is it going to be the Crippler Crossface? Is it going to be the Walls of Jericho? Which is your favorite? Um, hmm. Honestly, I hate to give it to Benoit, but the Crippler Crossface. I hate to give it to Benoit, but the Crippler Crossface probably to me is the more interesting move. I don't know why I don't like find the walls of Jericho to be like very visually interesting, but I don't. It it doesn't look like it's that painful. Yeah, you know. Uh, and also, it's it's a basic move. It's a basic Boston Crab that he's just renamed. Uh, he's got some other big moves in his arsenal that I think uh, people enjoy a little bit more like the lion salt or later the code breaker um yeah i really but, uh, like his uh there's that one move he does and i don't even know the name of it um but where he goes up to the top rope and then like kicks you to the outside of the ring oh it's a springboard drop kick yeah that springboard drop kick is uh is fantastic yeah it's pretty nice um uh, they do also point out that this is a no disqualification match because, I mean, yeah. Imagine <laughs> if it was a submission match that ended it in, D- in a DQ. Um, Jericho is trying to uh, put Benoit in an armbar. Benoit gets out. Uh, at one point, Benoit lifts him up for a tombstone, but Jericho flips over, and Benoit flips him over again and hits a shoulder breaker. I like how here JR is like, oh, well, I won't say what I think that looks like. Because he's implying that it looks like two guys 69 and standing up. Yeah, and, you know, I never really thought that, but now I do. I can't (laughs) believe JR's the horny one here and not King. Uh. Uh, uh, Jericho's going to try for the walls of Jericho, but Benoit flips him out. He's really focusing on Jericho's arm, hitting a diving headbutt to his arm. Uh, On the outside, he throws Jericho into the steel steps. Uh, but Jericho manages to lift him up and slams him knee first onto the steps. It, Benoit's wearing a knee brace, so basically they're going to be like, Benoit's working Jericho's arm, Jericho's working Benoit's leg. What if someone had an injury, and it was just like the opponent just didn't go for it? Like, throw that one in there to subvert us sometime, WWE. Just, just... Yeah, do do a Shawn Michaels match where they don't talk about, like, his back was broken a thousand years ago. <laughs> 
where someone's like super respectful of the injury and tries not to harm their opponent. Yeah. Like even a face will attack their like their broken arm or whatever. Yeah, like um, people will literally try to murder Shawn Michaels by paralyzing him forever. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, it's a good strategy. <laughs> Could you imagine if somebody did that in a real sport? Yeah, like football or, or something where it's just like you you are specifically targeting the man to injure him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they trade some uh, submission moves back and forth. At one point, Benoit's going to take the turnbuckle pad off the top turnbuckle and slams Jericho's shoulder into the, the steel ring there. Um. At one point, Benoit charges into the corner for, like, a running knee lift, and he goes knee first into the exposed turnbuckle. If you have a hurt knee, why would you do that? Why would you do anything knee first? You know, Especially a- considering Benoit doesn't even have any, like, knee-based moves. <laughs> I've never seen Benoit do that move except for when his knee is hurt. Okay, but think of it this way. If you're Dr. Robotnik in the first boss fight of Sonic Adventure and you're immune to every attack other than when you drill into the ground and get stuck there for Sonic to hit you, you know, you gotta go for it. Matches like these are basically boss fights. Yes, they absolutely are. Where, like, Benoit's knee might as well be a glowing red spot. Yeah. It's, it's It's like when you die and, like, it gives you a hint. It's like... <laughs> His knee is exposed. Hit a homing attack to Benoit's knee to win the match. Yeah, like your obnoxious AI companion is like, "His knee looks like it might be his weak point." <laughs> Tails. <laughs> uh and Jericho is going to take off Benoit's knee brakes and start beating him up with it, which is which was a cool thing. Yeah, no, I I do love that, but it's also one of those things that is just hilarious to me. It's like if you just like took a crutches from a <laughs> from someone that couldn't walk and started beating them with their own crutches. Yeah. That <laughs> What the fuck, man? Wrestling's weird. <laughs> uh, he uh he hits the lion salt. Uh at one point, he picks him up and he puts him in the walls of Jericho over the ropes and on the ring apron. That was that was cool. Um, Benoit is able to get out of it. Hits two German suplexes in the ring. Jericho escapes the third one and puts ben- tries to put Benoit in the walls, but Benoit hits him with his own knee brace and then puts him in the crippler crossface. Um, eventually, Jericho just passes out from the pain, and so the ref calls for the bell. Yeah, I I thought that this ending it wasn't abundantly clear that he had passed out. I mean, they they make it so later the announce team does, but I don't know. I I guess it's a cool he, ending. He, he, he thought he was getting Montreal screw job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never really see someone uh someone lose from passing out all too often. So, cool ending. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, Jericho stands up and his music plays and the fans cheer for him. So, you know, there's always going to be like a contingent of fans that still really love Jericho, even when he's a heel. And Jericho has played both throughout his career, but I always think of him as a heel. 
Um, so we're gonna we're gonna move on. Uh, Jericho is really shooting up the ladder. He ends up winning the Intercontinental Championship several times. Uh, we get to 2001, and let me explain a little bit of the background of what's going on at this time so that you can kind of understand it, and it'll clear up some of the questions I think you had. So after WCW closes and the WWE buys them out, they end up taking all of their titles. And so they have, they're like wrestling for the WCW championship in WWE for a little while. Yeah. Like it becomes a real title. And uh, it ends up uh, where The Rock is the WCW champion and Steve Austin is the WWF champion. Um, and they decide that they're going to combine the two titles into one undisputed championship. So they get four guys, uh, Austin, Rock, Jericho, and Kurt Angle, and they have each of them wrestle in matches against each other this night, and then the two winners face each other for the to to combine the two titles. Ah. So you mentioned that Austin doesn't got to do shit. Well, right before this, he wrestled Kurt Angle. And, right, and, and I, I kind of got that from the announce team. Um, but you know, like, I, I again cross-applied this concept to other sports. I love the idea of, like, a tennis tournament where you you just beat someone and then your opponent immediately walks out onto the court. Guess what? <laughs> yes. Round two. Time to go. Uh, so Austin beats uh, Kurt Angle, and it's kind of cool because... Uh, so of the four guys, Jericho's kind of the odd man out in that he's never won a world title. Uh, all the other three guys have, so Jericho's kind of like the... The, uh, the, you know, the oddball, the, the, the one who's not favored. Um, uh, so first we're going to have Chris Jericho versus The Rock. Uh, so pretty cool. Two guys, or the guy that Jericho debuted against, The Rock. Um, and, uh, and these two guys are kind of similar in, uh, in they're very charismatic and stuff. But, uh. I and mean, I think they put on a decent match that quickly spills to the outside. They the ref gives them a lot of leeway and they kind of do explain it in that like okay, if no one wins then how do we have a true undisputed title? Right, right. I just I love the idea that like you the conditions of the who's holding the title are determined on the rules of the game. Like, well, Wait. well somebody's got to win it. So, might as well let them use weapons. Might as well. Uh, well, because if, I mean, I guess, and I guess if, like, if someone got disqualified, I mean, you'd still have a winner, but, like, it would be pretty fucking lame. But in that case, why not just make it a no DQ, you know? Yeah, yeah. But as we learn, um, you know, you can't win a title through a disqualification. That's true, which is why I think it should have been no DQ to just kind of get rid of that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that whole caveat. Um, they, they're slamming each other into the commentary table. Uh, Jericho comes off the top with a, with a reverse elbow. They spend um, a lot of time on the commentary table. They really do. Which gave and, me an idea. What's that? It's a Hell in a Cell. But only the commentary table is in the cell. And so are the wrestlers. And seems so like is that the commentary would, team. It seems like there would not be enough room. 
You'd think that, wouldn't you? And you might even be right. I think he definitely would be. It would be like, it would be not even long enough, far enough to move. Yeah, but and it'd I make like for it an would... interesting match. I think it would make for a very boring match because they couldn't really do any moves. It's like how uh, in the old days they used to do a match called a shark cage match where they would wrestle in a shark cage. And if you know anything about a shark cage, you can't really hit wrestling moves inside of it. <laughs> so it's just two guys kind of slapping each other around. But man, what if they had submerged them in a tank full of sharks? Now that would be something. And it's interesting again. Uh, so you know what? Take my new match idea commentary table cage match submerge it in a tank full of sharks there you go what what do you call it uh oh man oh you put me on the spot here uh a fins up match a fins up match i like it um rock's gonna kick out of a lion salt uh uh back outside the ring uh Jericho catapults Rock into the ring post. He starts tearing up the announce table, and JR admonishes him like this shit didn't happen every big match in the Attitude Era. Uh, Jericho gets Rock on the table, tries for the Rock bottom, but the Rock reverses it into a DDT, and they go through the table. Uh, the ref is not counting them out. Um, we finally go back in the ring, and Rock goes for a rock bottom, but Jericho reverses it into a face buster. And then Jericho is going to go for the people's elbow. Uh, but Rock is able to reverse that into the sharpshooter. Yeah, you can't Jericho people's elbow the Rock unless you're John Cena. Come on. Or, or well, I was going to say, or you're Steve Austin. But I don't think Steve Austin ever people's elbowed the Rock. Um. So Jericho's got Rock in a sharpshooter now, but The Rock does break the hold. And then The Rock hits the rock bottom on Jericho, but they're both down. And that's when Vince McMahon runs down to the ring, distracts the referee while The Rock pins Jericho. Rock punches McMahon in the face on the apron, and then he hits the people's elbow on Jericho, tosses Vince into the ring, and starts beating him up. But then he turns around and walks right into a low blow from Jericho, who then hits the rock bottom and pins him. So Jericho has now won the first match, and then Austin comes right on out. Now, I okay, I do, you know, we talk about how later the use of, like, now every match, you know, people are using each other's finishers uh, on them. But I thought this was kind of special. Uh, it, it felt yeah, that way anyway. They used to not do it that much. And also, they don't do the whole kicking out of finishers that much either. Like... You know, The Rock did hit the rock bottom, but it, it, he was distracted from the win. So it's not like Jericho kicked out of the move. So right. it's less, like, deteriorating of the finisher. Um, Kurt Angle's going to come down to the ring and hit Austin with a chair, and Jer and Rock hits Jericho with a rock bottom. So they're both down. That's how we're going to start the match. And the ref starts counting them out. And really, what the fuck would happen if they both got counted out? I know. I think that's hilarious. Like... If they did both get counted out and then just like, okay, everybody go home. Because the over. whole, it would be weird no matter what the match was, but the whole point of this match is to ensure that we have a true champion. Yeah, and what's that, wrong with this ref? He's going to let them like fight on a table 
and do all kinds of other stuff, but don't lay down in the ring. Yeah. Like, okay, here's the thing. Like, maybe don't start the match until they get up. Yeah. Like, how are you going to ring the bell when both guys are down? Like, you don't, like, you don't, like, start a basketball match when people are, a basketball match, god damn, I sound like an idiot, a <laughs> basketball game when, like, 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 both teams are, like, taking a dump, like. Yeah, both teams are in the locker room. And it's like, implying okay, that it's, the entire team. Now. First person to come out here with a basketball, you, you get an advantage. Stupid. Okay, um, what if? Okay, I, I I just really think we need to start applying more wrestling sort of like wackiness to real sports. I've been on this for a while. I think mm-hmm. that we should put two balls in a basketball game, and then like one of them's the real ball that you could score points with, and the other one is fake, and you don't know which is which until the end of the game. <laughs> just just a concept, just an idea. That seems like it'd be really hard to keep track of, though. Yeah, I mean, that's what the, the the score tabulators will do that for us. But imagine not knowing who's winning until the very end. But, okay, I guess, but then, like, then it's, like, kind of like the game means nothing the whole time, right? And it's just, it's just based on pure love. That's wrestling, baby. I don't, no, I don't think you're on to anything. I don't think that's anything. Uh, ESPN, call me. Austin's going to go for the stunner, but Jericho pushes him away, goes out to the apron. They get knocked to the floor. We're brawling out there again. Uh, Austin starts removing the padding from the floor and exposing the concrete. Uh, Then they get up on top of the Spanish announce table. Rare moment when the the English commentary table gets taken out first. Yeah, yeah. Not the Spanish table. Kind of, kind of, kind of throwing things on their old head there. Um, Jericho's gonna try to put him in the walls on top of the table, but Austin uses his legs to throw him onto the floor and then suplex him on the concrete before throwing him back in the ring. And that's like a move that like you can't really fake, you know, because you're like literally showing that I have exposed the concrete. Yeah, um, that one's gonna hurt regardless. Uh. Jericho gets catapulted face first into the top turnbuckle. Um, eventually, uh, Jericho puts him in the walls, but he does get out. Uh, Jericho tries for a flying forearm, but ends up taking out the referee. He hits a low blow, and then he hits a stoner. Jericho's just taking everybody's moves. Yeah, which I, I thought was actually like very fun. For, yeah, for and Jericho definitely in, in his character. Uh, the uh, Vince McMahon ends up coming out with a with a new referee, uh, and the ref is like a crooked ref who's immediately like trying to he's he's like go go pin him Jericho, um, but then Ric Flair comes out and pulls the ref out of the ring and he starts fighting with Vince McMahon. At this time, there was this weird thing where. Ric Flair revealed that he owned part of WWE somehow. Ah, yes, a classic wrestler is now the boss gimmick. Yeah. The consortium was me! That's what Ric Flair said. Um, you know, I really love it when they get into, like, you know, corporate power dynamics in my wrestling. And they love to do that. 
They do. And it was they? good one time with Steve Austin doing it. Like, Steve mm-hmm. Austin with all the beers in the boardroom and stuff. That was hilarious. It's not fun when, like, I don't know, the big show is, like, trading stocks or something. At first I was like, man, I don't remember that storyline. Like, I, 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 I considered that that might be real. Because it sounds <laughs> like it might be. Um... So, uh, so Austin rolls out of the ring. He beats up Vince. He comes back in the ring, uh, and he puts Jericho in the walls of Jericho, who starts tapping out immediately. And that's where Booker T comes in the ring and hits Austin in the back of the head with the WCW title. King says he doesn't even work here, um, because he hadn't actually started working for WWE yet. I mean, he, well, he does here, obviously, but we hadn't seen him yet. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering what they were talking about with Booker T, because they, they mentioned it was Booker T. Um, yeah, well, he worked for WCW, uh, but he, he, had never, he hadn't debuted in WWE yet. Um, so they're just counting on their audience knowing WCW people. Um, so McMahon puts the ref back in the ring, and uh, Jericho covers him for the three count, and Jericho becomes the first ever WWF Undisputed Champion, which is a big accomplishment, beating Rock and Austin in the same night, something he's going to tout forever, but it was a little bit tainted with the way he won. Right, which, I mean, I think he kind of had to. You can't just clean beat Rock and Steve Austin. Sure. Um, but- the problem is... Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I love how in every single Steve Austin match... Every single Stone Cold match where Vince McMahon appears, like, Stone Cold immediately aggros. Like, immediately just beelines to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is his biggest downfall. (laughs) Yeah, like, and that's the thing. is like, if he did not immediately aggro on McMahon, he would have won so many more matches. An interesting uh, note here is that when Austin loses this title, this is his last ever time being the world champion Uh, he's never going to get it again before he ends up leaving the company or retiring from wrestling and i know i should know that because we we, we've done a steve austin episode have we not we did the austin and mcmahon episode so we didn't really talk about his individual title wins or anything yeah but but 2001 seems like really early for that to me well in 2002 is when he uh gets fed up with the company and he takes his ball and goes home. So this is December of 2001. So 2001's almost over by this point. Right. In, like, spring of 2002, he's going to quit the company, like, for real, and then not come back until, like, the beginning of 2003, and then he retires in the spring of 2003. So he really doesn't have much more matches, period, after this. Gotcha, gotcha. Um... But yeah, it does seem early, but when you think about that, he, he kind of is almost done. Um, and Jericho, unfortunately, does not get really treated very well as champion here. Uh, he doesn't. He kind of ends up getting buried, and he loses at WrestleMania to Triple H, uh, who returns to the company after an injury. But the whole time, he's like, he like becomes like Stephanie McMahon's like, bitch during uh. the storyline uh although it is interesting jericho did kind of win the wwe championship one other time against triple h uh but triple h was like 
he told the referee he had to reverse the decision or he'd beat him up. And so Jericho... Well, you can't Never really truly blame him was. for losing to human horse hybrid. Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you don't know Roman numerals. Okay, no, I definitely know him. Well, you put that this match is at WrestleMania 21 when it's definitely at WrestleMania 19. Oh, I thought that... Yeah, you're right. Uh, Jericho is going to go back to floating around the mid-card for a while, um, winning some more Intercontinental Championships and, and Tag Team Championships. But it's his next really big feud is with Shawn Michaels, which gives us a little taste at what many people consider to be his best feud of all time. Uh, but Shawn Michaels is just back from his return. He returns in 2002 from his what was thought to be a career-ending back injury. But Shawn no, Michaels returns. Shawn Michaels with an injured back. I've never heard of this before. Oh, this is news to me. Uh, but Jericho, you know, talks about being a lifelong Shawn Michaels fan. He was so excited for Shawn Michaels to return. But then things changed. And uh, he was like, you're too much of a goody two-shoes. And that's not the Shawn Michaels I knew. The Shawn Michaels I knew did drugs and... Was a screwed his friends. Yeah, the good back when Sean was good, good Sean. Yeah, so uh, they get into a pretty intense feud here, and uh, we really just see how much of a dick Chris Jericho is. Yeah, I mean, but what a good way to play that up, you know, when you're playing yeah. against Michaels, who, for all intents and purposes, is kind of a a. I mean, let's be real. I think that Chris Jericho, at this point in his career, is really the Waluigi to Shawn Michaels' Luigi. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I, I, I mean, I don't know why you didn't do Mario Wario, but... Because Waluigi's just just more fun. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, he says that, you know, Michaels is the reason he wanted to become a wrestler. Um, but now he says he's better than him. Um, and he's not a man. So uh, we're going to go to this match, WrestleMania 19, uh, the Limp Biscuit WrestleMania. Yeah, and it does not go, Limp Biscuit does not go unmentioned. Oh, uh, uh, absolutely not. I think they were paid by the mention. <laughs> um, Shawn Michaels comes out shooting a confetti gun, and did you notice one of them didn't work? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, this is Shawn Michaels' first wrestlemania match since his return which i think is again another really cool position for chris jericho to be in uh yeah uh, yeah definitely Shawn michaels is a guy who's called mr wrestlemania so to be able to wrestle mr wrestlemania at his first wrestlemania in five years is you know they really thought pretty highly of him um the crowd's chanting for hbk uh, lots of back and forth, catch-as-catch-can style. They have a really good style that works together really well, I think. Yeah, I like, okay, so I think that, um, and this is just my impression, so correct me because I'm probably wrong, but I feel like Jericho and Michael's very similar, but Jericho's a little bit more mat-based, a little bit more submission-based, and Michael's is a little bit more, um, like, high-flying. Maybe slightly 
Uh, both of them do a little bit of both. Yeah, it's I like think. a sixty forty split in either direction for for both of them. Uh, but I, I think that that's what really makes them makes their matches really great. Yeah, it's uh, but and that's the thing that I like about it is that it is complementary without being literally the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was uh, and it's a it's a good thing that Shawn Michaels was able to come back because this is like kind of a dream match, you know. That, that otherwise, you know, if his back injury a bit worse, it would have never happened. So, and I think that it definitely helps distinguish Jericho from Michaels. Yeah, I mean, this is a match that really gets a chance to put him on the map, even more so than his undisputed title win. Uh, we get some really cool like back and forth moves, like a lot of back and forth roll ups. Um at one point Jericho goes for a bulldog, but HBK throws him dick first into the corner. Um <laughs> they, uh Sean puts him in a figure four, but Jericho reverses the pressure. Um at one point Jericho tosses Shawn Michaels over the top rope, but he skins the cat. He he flips himself back up and, and head scissors Jericho over the top and then follows it up with a plancha. What a specific name for that. Skinning the cat? Yeah. It's actually uh like a like a gymnastics term. Huh. But uh I don't know what other way to describe it. Is there more than one way to do it? No. But I've been, no, been I've been lied to my whole you life. Have, yeah, you've a hundred percent been lied to. <laughs> what are the ways to skin a cat? One, I guess I, take its skin off. Two question mark. Two get thrown over the top rope in a wrestling match and then flip back over. <laughs> two ways to skin a cat. I guess that's what they were talking about. There you go. Uh. At one point, Jericho puts uh, Shawn Michaels is going to try for a drop kick on the outside of the ring, but Jericho catches him and puts him in the walls of Jericho on the floor. Um, and the referee gets all the way up to an eight count before Jericho runs into the ring and breaks the count up. Um, Which, okay, uh, technically, at least according to the video games I keep losing at, isn't the ref supposed to continue to count the man that is outside the ring out? Yeah, and he doesn't. Now, okay, if you go in, if someone goes into the ring and then goes back out, it starts over. Right, right. But that didn't quite happen here, and I think because maybe they were a little bit worried that that we were getting a little too close. Yeah, I will say that it was a very tense moment. Yeah, you thought Sean was going to lose by countout at WrestleMania. I didn't think that would happen, but they may they let me suspend my disbelief enough to enjoy the the tension. And now that is good wrestling when it when you know something is not going to happen but for like a small second you it, you believe it. That is an that that is like the best way to describe wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Um So uh in the ring uh we're going to we're going to uh, Jericho's going to start targeting Shawn Michaels back because of course he does. Uh, Jericho hits that flying forearm, and then he kips up to his feet, just like HBK does, and then HBK does it himself. Um, Sean's hit, hits his flying forearm, atomic drop, back body drop, and then he hits a moonsault from the top rope onto a standing Jericho, gets the near fall. 
that's when they start trading these really cool covers, and they're literally just rolling out around the ring trying to cover each other. Yeah, which is, is really cool, and the announced team mentions, like, you know, they're they're just so similar that it's like, you know, <sighs> Sean knows everything that Jericho's going to do, but Jericho knows everything that Sean's going to do. Strange, Strange isn't it? <laughs> For those who don't know, that is a reference to the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, not, not the, the new, new one. one. <laughs> uh, uh, no, the one where Tails touches a woman's boobs and Knuckles has a hat that catches on fire. There you go. Um, is uh, Jericho's going to tip the walls of Jericho? Sean powers out. Uh, Sean hit or Jericho hits a lion salt, but Sean kicks out of that too. Um, Sean's gonna attempt a hurricane rana, but Jericho catches him, puts him in the walls of Jericho. But Shawn Michaels does manage to get to the ropes. Um, at uh, at one point, uh, Jericho goes to the top rope, hits a reverse elbow, and then he starts tuning up the band and hits sweet chin music. Guy loves taking people's finishers. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that was, I mean, were they trying to make that sort of his thing? Um, because I mean, just watching these matches, that's the way it comes off, which is a cool gimmick. Uh, there was a I, period of time where they got into, like, a real big, like, trend of people stealing each other's finishers in big matches. And they've kind of gotten away from it a little bit now. I like the idea, I don't like the idea <laughs> of it happening in every big match. I like the idea of one guy specifically doing it. Yeah, Jericho did it a lot. Um, and then Austin and Rock would do it all the time. Uh, nobody else really did it too, too often. Um, but, uh, Sean's gonna kick out of it pretty easily. The crowd goes nuts. Um, uh, we end up going to the top rope, and Jericho tries to hit a superplex, but Sean counters it into a crossbody in midair, and Jericho kicks out at the very last second. Um... Sean goes to the top rope, and Jericho kicks the ref into the ropes, which crotches Sean. And Jericho attempts another superplex, but Sean drops him right on his face, hits a diving elbow drop, and then he starts tuning up the band. And uh, give me this line from King. The band is tuning up, and it ain't Limp Biscuit. It's Shawn Michaels. Thank God. <laughs> Could you imagine if it was Limp Biscuit? <laughs> in the middle of the match. Hey, guys, we're doing another one. It's time for rolling. Two. <laughs> Keep rolling. <laughs> uh, Jericho's going to duck that super kick, locks in the walls one more time, but Sean gets to the ropes. Jericho's super angry at the ref. He's like, he tapped out. He walks right into the sweet chin music. Sean covers him barely, but Jericho kicks out again. Uh, Jericho whips Shawn Michaels into the corner, sends him upside down and inside out. Jericho attempts a back suplex, but HBK lands on his feet, and then he rolls up Jericho for the win. Uh, and then after the match, he extends his hand, but and Jericho gives him a hug, but then he kicks him right in the nuts. Oh, man, that's, okay. It's seldom, I guess, like, just two faces. is Sometimes you'll get that, like, post-match handshake or hug, but it's almost always a ruse. Yeah, yeah. Never trust trust a bitch. Absolutely. Sean's too trusting. Uh, but I thought this was a really good match. Uh, probably the best one that we watched here. 
Yeah, um, I really, I really enjoyed this match a lot. Um, it's, it's like really back and forth. You keep thinking somebody's gonna win, and then they don't. Um, and just good story to go with it too. Like the the idea of you know Jericho trying to distinguish himself from Michaels, having previously looked up to Michaels, um, and then using that one line that The Rock uses in that new movie. What's that? Uh, I'm not oh, trying be to be the... the next Shawn Michaels. I'm trying to be the first Chris Jericho. Yeah, but he uses it in like a dickish way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I I do like it because if you know the like context of it, it's Shawn Michaels' return, but Chris Jericho's the up and coming star, so you kind of don't know who's going to get the win there. Yeah, I almost uh, expected Jericho to win just because of you know sort of putting the the new guy over. But I see why they made Michaels win, considering that he's coming back from that injury and, like, yeah. It's almost like he's the new guy. In a lot of ways, yeah, absolutely. Um, Jericho is going to start a new a, a new talk show that becomes a pretty big deal throughout the rest of his career called The Highlight Reel. Talk shows are a thing in wrestling for some reason. Lots of wrestlers have done talk shows. Roddy Piper did Piper's Pit. I think Brutus- they're neat. The Barber Beefcake did uh, The Barber Shop. Uh, Christian did The Peep Show. Edge did The Cutting Edge. And Chris Jericho's got the highlight reel. And that's when they really start making a pretty big comeback is when is when Jericho does the highlight reel. So he does his very first one on Raw, uh, April 28th of 2003. His very first guest is going to be Goldberg. Um and he talks a little bit about the history with him and Goldberg, and this is all very real. Um, is uh, He talks about how he and Goldberg used to be friends, and then Goldberg became a bigger star and a bigger jerk, and it made him angry to see Goldberg becoming successful, even though he was better. So he's talking about Goldberg becoming really successful because he was big man. Yeah, which, yeah, like you said, very real thing in the WCW and the WWE. Uh, and there was a lot of real heat between these two guys. I want to say, let me, let me, I want to say there was like a real fight between them. Uh, yeah, yeah, they got into a real life fight. Siri, give me um, world star Goldberg. <laughs> I can't remember if it was when they were in WCW or in WWE. Um, oh no, it was, uh, it was actually... It was actually like a week before this. Wow. Um, uh, and, uh, and apparently he heard that Goldberg had been bad-mouthing him backstage, and he got in his face, and they started shoving each other, and then they, they got into a real fight, and then other wrestlers had to, had to break him up. And the then one. Jericho won, is, and, and Goldberg was really embarrassed. Okay, that's amazing. Uh, so again, they always like to capitalize on a real life thing and turn it into a feud. So one week after a real fight, they decide to put them in a fake fight. The WWE puts a lot of faith in its wrestlers to put aside personal differences and not actually beat each other up. Yeah, they put a lot of stock in them being professionals. Yeah, and I mean, I guess so far it's paid off. Other than yeah. maybe New Jack, but New Jack never even had real beef with anybody. He was just crazy. Yeah. He also never worked for WWE. He didn't? Which, no, he worked for ECW, pretty much. Huh. 
I don't know why I thought that he he worked for WWE. I don't know either. Um, so Jericho says he's going to challenge Goldberg to a match at Bad Blood. Goldberg's music hits and he runs down to the ring. Jericho runs outside. Uh, Goldberg is is brand new uh, on the scene right now. He he started right after WrestleMania 19, and he uh, he faced the Rocket Backlash and beat him. Uh, and so this is I think either one night or two nights after after him beating the Rocket Backlash. Um, and uh, uh, Goldberg tells Jericho to jump in the ring and let him put him out of his misery. Jericho says not to accept the, accept the challenge. Goldberg does, and uh, he says Jericho's nothing but an ass. Jericho gets on the apron, and uh, Goldberg grabs him by the throat and tosses him into the ring, but Jericho pepper sprays him. Yeah, brings just a real weapon in. Yeah, uh, pocket sand is one thing, but this is is actual pepper spray. Have you ever been pepper sprayed? I have not, have you? One time in the ninth grade, because some idiot brought pepper spray to school and sprayed it in class, and I choked and almost died because it is potent. And then I narked on them, which I feel kind of bad about because I'm pretty sure they got kicked out of school for bringing a weapon. Well, but they did bring pepper spray and sprayed it in class. That's I mean, that's true. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it, it, and it doesn't even have to get in your eyes. It just makes it really hard to breathe. Um, and you cough a lot, and you feel like you're dying. So I have a feeling that here, this isn't real pepper spray. This is probably some type of silly string. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's not pepper spray. There would be no reason to use real pepper spray. Other than just to, I mean, if this was ECW, we know it would be real pepper spray. Yeah, probably. Uh, so... Again, Jericho mostly spends time on the mid-card. It's hard to believe that Jericho won that undisputed title and never wins another world title again until, like, 2008. Yeah, wow. He mostly sticks with the Intercontinental title, which he ends up holding for a record number of times, more times than anyone else. Um, But uh, Jericho, in 2005, ends up having a pretty big feud with John Cena. And this is actually— I have a question, though. What's that? What, because we didn't actually watch the match that that ensued at Bad Blood with Goldberg. What happened? Uh, shoot. Hold on. I gotta I gotta look it up because I'm not sure. We'll just we'll just edit around this. I, actually, like you know what? I'm I'm almost positive Goldberg won because Goldberg never fucking lost. That's not, okay. Have I ever told you about my favorite Chris Benoit conspiracy theory involved, which involved Goldberg? Uh, no, I've never heard that one. Okay, so, uh, this comes from the last podcast on the left episode on Chris Benoit, where they cover all the wacky conspiracy theories around it, and I'm pretty sure this was just one guy on a message board, but it's wild to me, and it's that the whole Chris Benoit killing his family was staged because he was set to fight Goldberg, who was going to win because of a Jewish conspiracy but that Chris Benoit would never let that happen, so he had to be killed. Here's the thing. Goldberg was not even wrestling at that time. What I love about that is that there's so much wrong with it because it implies that wrestling is both real and fake. (laughs) Like, 
I yeah, don't know. this is like some Ready to Rumble shit. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like if Ready to Rumble was ten times darker. Yeah. Yeah, it also, like, implies that, like, like, Jewish people have some sort of, like, step up in the in wrestling, which is, like, not true at all, because, like, Goldberg and, like, Paul Heyman are, like, the only Jewish wrestlers I can even think of. Um, yeah, I, it's obviously very anti-Semitic, but, um, that's just how the internet is sometimes. Yeah, it, it, it do be like that. Um... So Jericho is going to launch a feud with John Cena. So on an episode of the Highlight Reel, Jericho introduces his guest in the middle of the draft lottery. So they did a draft, uh, usually like every year in WWE, um, not much unlike uh, the draft in the United States, in which they pick a random person and <laughs> and send them somewhere else. Uh, no, they they... they We'll draft someone from SmackDown, and they'll go to Raw, and someone from Raw will go to SmackDown, that kind of thing. And John Cena was the first draft pick coming from SmackDown as the WWE champion to Raw, which was a pretty big deal at the time. Um, and this is actually the feud that's kind of the beginning of John Cena getting booed and getting turned on. Um, this is the first time that I can remember, and when I looked it up, this is what a lot of people reference as being the the first feud of his where people were turning on him. And I think it's because people like Chris Jericho a lot, and it was kind of like, okay, he's beating Jericho clean all the time, and then after this he starts beating Kurt Angle all the time, he beats he beats uh, Christian, and he kind of sends Jer- Jericho out of the company, which was like obviously like a planned thing, but... Well, you yeah, know, and also he's just a really shady figure. What's he hiding in those jorts? Who knows? And, and he's like a, Cena. He's like right in the middle. This is like the Cena Venn diagram. You got rapper on one side. You've got you've got Marine on the other. And this is, he's like right in the middle of them right now. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's not. He doesn't rap before he gets in this ring, but like. I kind of wanted him to. He's like the middle picture in the Animorph book. <laughs> um, they do have a match at SummerSlam where uh, where Cena wins uh, over over Jericho. I had actually messed that up, and I put I thought the SummerSlam was the year fired match, so I watched half of that before I realized it was the wrong match. Oh yikes! But yeah, um, Cena here is like the top half of him is Marine, the bottom half of him is rapper. Yeah. Uh, he's still doing a little bit of rapping, and he's part of the Chain Gang. It's what he calls his fans, the Chain Gang, which I don't know if I like that. I, I, don't, I don't think I like that at all. Um, um, they're also doing this weird feud where they try. They basically try to redo Austin versus McMahon with Cena versus Bischoff. Yeah, which like neither of those work in the place of the other. Yeah, it's like. Cena's already dollar store Austin, and Bischoff is dollar store events. Right. You know, okay, so I do have a question here. This is a you're fired match, right? So loser yeah. gets fired, which, as we've talked about before, it's obviously always at work. Um, But why did they do it on Raw? Like, this seems like a bigger deal to have these two guys in the you're fired match. Like, this seems like something that would happen at a pay-per-view. Uh, my only guess would be so that would be for a ratings thing. Ah. Uh. Because um, it, it, 
you know, it does make sense for it to happen at a pay-per-view, but on the other hand, you know, pay-per-views don't really pay the bills. You know, it's, That's it's, fair. It's, it's, it's TV. Um, and they would do that a lot in the Attitude Era when they were competing with Nitro to the point where TV was almost more important than pay-per-views because they had a direct competition that aired at the same time. Um, so I think maybe that's a little bit of it. Um, maybe it was Jericho wanted to go out on Raw, uh, wanted to go out on TV. Who who really knows? Um, uh, and I think his reason for leaving was he just wanted a break. Uh, he wanted to do some more stuff with Fozzie, his band. Uh, so I remember watching this and thinking, oh, that's not going to last for very long. And it kind of did. It lasted for like two years. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's the longest, I think, that I've ever heard of a of that kind of thing going from, from yeah. a match like this. Because usually it's what, you know, six months max, they're back. Yeah, usually it's like an injury. But no, he just actually wanted to take some time off, which like, hey – Maybe it's one of the reasons why he has lasted so long because he ta- he actually takes time off like a normal fucking person. Yeah, good on him too because like I imagine it's way more fun to I I wouldn't say be a rock star because I'm not sure I would put Chris Jericho in the category of rock star, but it's probably way more fun to tour with your band and have fun with your buddies than have to be flying around to a different city to wrestle yeah. every night. Well, also he has a wife and kids, you know, like yeah, you know, it can't be easy being away from them most of the time. And right now he's what, uh, you know, maybe 40 or, or coming up on 40. Probably. He's 49. No, well, I mean, in, when this happened. In, uh, oh, when this happened. Oh. In mid-30s. Uh, yeah, pro- something like that. Um, but uh, so this is a, a Loser Leaves Raw match or Loser Leaves the WWE match on uh, on Raw in August of 2005. Uh, the previous night, Cena beat him at SummerSlam. Uh, they get face-to-face. Cena immediately starts beating him up. Eric Bischoff is getting involved right away, grabs Cena's leg, and distracts him while Jericho rolls him up. Cena manages to kick out. Um, Interesting at one point, the... to me that... Sorry, I, I mean to interrupt you, but... Oh, it's, it's interesting no to worries. me that this happens almost exactly five years after he enters the company, almost as if some sort of contract were to expire oh uh, yeah the, you know what you've got a good point there uh that's probably god damn i can't imagine well uh, he may have had more than one contract at that point i was about to say a six-year contract but then i was like it's probably more than one contract in there yeah it just renews every august yeah that's a good point i didn't think about that um and you notice the crowd is split here. They're chanting, let's go Cena, let's go Jericho. Yes, and the let's go Cena chant, as always, and I think I point this out in a John Cena episode, is very prepubescent. Like, And this is this it, is really the first time that happens. Really? When when they're they're turning on Cena and then they're split on, on John Cena. It's, it's right when he comes to Raw for some reason. And maybe it's because the SmackDown audience was a little bit different. Um... Which makes sense. The SmackDown was on cable, or SmackDown was on broadcast, and Raw was on cable. Uh, so the audience for SmackDown was probably a little bit younger, and the Raw audience is probably a lot more older. And so John Cena's not as accepted on Raw, and then he also keeps winning, goddamn always. 
Uh, yeah, I just, I always love how, you know, like, the Let's Go Cena's is, like, two octaves higher than mm-hmm. the, uh, the other. Because, I don't know, it's hilarious to me. Uh, King at one point says, I think the first thing Jericho would do is get that silly hubcap belt replaced. God, if only. <laughs> Too bad we see when Jericho comes back two years later, that damn ugly-ass belt is still around. <laughs> It always bothered me because that belt was specifically for John Cena, but other people kept holding it. It's like if other people kept having the Stone Cold Smoking Skull belt. Uh, yeah, no, I, I hate that because it implies that even if you hold the belt, it's not really yours. Yeah, it's so stupid. Um. Uh. Cena's going to dive off the top rope, but Jericho moves out of the way. Jericho puts his feet on the ropes as he pins, but the ref makes him break it up. Um, Cena charges at Jericho in the corner, but Jericho gets his foot up. Jericho charges at Cena, but Cena lifts him up for an FU, but Jericho rolls through, puts Cena in the walls of Jericho. And I think this is kind of a cool thing when Cena's reaching for the ropes, but Bischoff is pulling the rope away. Yeah, yeah, he puts uh, Jericho's foot up on the rope. Yeah, well, no, I'm talking about when Jericho has him in the walls of Jericho and Bischoff is physically pulling the rope backwards so that Cena can't grab it. Oh, gotcha, yeah. Um, but, yeah, later uh, Cena manages to hit the FU and uh, crawls on Jericho, but Bischoff puts his foot on the rope. Uh, and that's when he gives him a pair of brass knucks. The which knucks! Is a, which is apparently common shorthand for knuckles. They... Love saying brass knucks. It's like the other syllable doesn't exist. I learned a lot about different weapons from wrestling, including brass knuckles. I didn't know what brass knuckles were till I watched wrestling. I didn't know what a Singapore cane was. Yeah, I definitely didn't know what a Singapore cane was. I knew what brass knuckles were because, weirdly, I think my grandpa owned some, which is strange considering he only can use them with one hand. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm glad you I'm glad you <laughs> beat me to it. Uh, he gets hit with the knuckles. Uh, the knucks, Peyton. The knucks. The knucks. These are not. These are distinctly different than brass knuckles. They are brass knucks. But Cena kicks out. Bischoff is flipping out. Bischoff gets on the apron with the WWE title, and Cena catapults Jericho right into Bischoff, and he gets another FU for the three count. Bischoff gets in the ring, and he fires Chris Jericho. Jericho's begging him not to fire him. And Bischoff is fucking horrible. He says, I don't care about you or your wife or your damn kids. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, Security comes in and physically removes Jericho from the ring. And that's the last we see of him for, like, two years. Yeah, wow. What a way to go. I I mean, good on him for selling it the way that he did, because... It was very, um, I don't know, very compelling. Uh, Jericho's down for anything. So it's going to be in 2007 when he's going to come back. And I remember seeing this, and I immediately was going on the internet like, what does this mean? They start airing these promos with all these like codes coming up that say, like, save us, 222, and shit like that. And people on the internet were... Like, very quickly, we're able to crack the code because, like, if you, like, have a DVR and you pause it, there are lots of, like, things in there that reference, like, 
if you watch it really close, it's like eight seconds long, but if you watch it really closely, it says stuff like Y2J and break down the walls, and it has like the Bible verse that mentions the walls of Jericho in it. Huh. And so, yeah, it was really cool. It's unfortunate that it was, that people were able to figure it out so easily. Um, uh, and WWE also spoiled it because they took a photo of him for the cover of a magazine, and the magazine cover got leaked. Ah, beans. So, yeah. But it was still a super cool return. This is Jericho. So Jericho has, like, done a lot of these where he takes time off and he comes back. This one will always be the best comeback, I think. Um, Because this is a super cool return on Raw in November of 2007. There's, like, some guy outside the arena literally running around with a torch. And then some guy clotheslines him. And the crowd immediately starts chanting Y2J. The codes are appearing on the screen. Did you break the code? The answer is the code. And then it's saveus.y2j. And Jericho's music hits for his second coming. And he's got a brand new look. Yeah. Um, and, and the new look definitely feels more distinctive it makes him i don't know it it feels like a different character almost he's gone through several looks and at first i was like man i don't know if i like this jericho but it's it's grown on me and it's it's now kind of how i think of him yeah i mean this is definitely the like i said earlier uh the sting jericho Mm -hmm. the bono jericho the jericho the Bonico, Bonico, That's Bonico. There you go. That that works. Uh, but he also kind of looks like if you mixed Gordon Ramsay with a motivational speaker that's trying to sell you a pyramid scheme. Wow, that's very specific. But I I kind of do pick that up. Um, he yeah, he's got his short styled hair. He's very sparkly. Orton is in. Randy Orton is the WWE champion at the time. He's looking very confused. Uh, he says, welcome to Raw is Jericho, uh, the second coming of Y2J. Um, Orton starts attacking him. He says, the last time you saw him, he was getting fired. He says, what's so important that you had to come back, and what exactly are you saving us from? And Jericho says, well, your boring personality, for one. Which, and that, like, legitimately cracked me up. Yeah, he delivered that so well. Like, it, when he comes back, I honestly feel like he was he was better on Mike. He had more personality. Yeah, I mean, he really does. Like, you know, most people don't wrestle for a decade and then take off for two years and then come back better. But right. Jericho did. Um, he lists a bunch of other things that he's saving us from, like Orton's subscription to Blue Ball Magazine. Oh, don't... Um, most importantly, he's saving us from Randy Orton. And he says that nothing will ever, ever be the same again. <laughs> um, so he's going to challenge him for the WWE title, coming right in and into the world title picture. Um, uh, he, he debuts with a new, new ring outfit where he's got the codes running down his legs. He even debuts a new finisher, which we don't unfortunately get to see here called the Code Breaker, where he, like, runs and, like, uh, like grabs his opponent's face with, like, with his knees and, like, drops down and, like, 
face busts their face on his knees. I like that he waited till 2007 to really make the Y2J thing a part of his, like, like, you know, really, really integrate it. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I remember as a kid, like, being like, what does Y2J even mean? <laughs> um... Apparently, for what my parents tell me, I don't remember, but apparently as a child, I was very concerned about Y2K. That's an odd thing for a child to be worried about. Uh, But isn't it crazy that our generation has literally had to deal with existential threats to our existence, like, since we were born? Yeah. Just pretty much constantly, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Um, Jericho's looking pretty good here. Uh... Nothing too fancy. Um, there, there's a point where he uh, he tries to lock in the walls of Jericho, but Orton gets out and hits him with a DDT and gets a gets a two count. Um, he Jericho at one point comes from the top rope and onto Orton on the floor. Uh, at uh, at one point, this like disgusted me when Jericho gets sent into the corner and Orton charges at him, but they both knock heads. Yes. Like, it sounded gross. That's what I was... I hope that that was fake, because it sounded just... I feel like it would have to be, but otherwise they would be, like, severely injured. Have you ever Have you ever done that before? Like Hit heads s- with somebody? I'm sure. Smacked heads with somebody? It is a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh... Jericho hits a dropkick from the second rope, gets a two count. Uh, Orton is going to go for the RKO, uh, but Jericho reverses that into a backslide. Um, Orton's going to hit a superplex for a two count. Uh, Jericho tries for the walls at one point, but Orton rolls him up. Hits an enziguri, a running bulldog, and attempts the lion salt, but Orton gets the knees up. Uh, Orton starts stalking Jericho for the RKO. RKO is a great, a great finisher. Say what you will about Randy Orton being kind of boring, but RKO, great move. Is that the one where before he does it, he gets on the ground and convulses like my cat about to cough up a hairball? Yes. <laughs> but it could come out of nowhere. Uh, we end up going to the outside, and Jericho charges at Orton at the announce table, but Orton moves out of the way and tosses him right into JBL, who's the SmackDown commentator at this point. Um, Jericho throws him back in the ring, hits a flying forearm to the back of Orton's head. He tips the code breaker, but gets tossed into the corner. And Orton's going to try to punt Jericho in the head, but Jericho grabs him and, hit, and puts him in the walls of Jericho. But JBL comes into the ring and gives him a big boot and uh, ends up giving Jericho the win by DQ. So commentators can just come in the ring and ruin matches now. Yeah, and this is the one time that we're going to call a DQ because somebody ran in and kicked someone else. Well, because they didn't want Orton to get rid of the title, but you can't have Jericho lose his his return match. Yeah, it's just dumb. I don't know. Uh, I know Orton's supposed to be a heel, but I don't really love Orton. Maybe maybe we'll get into that in another episode at some point. But he's kind of a polarizing figure for sure. His whole legend killer thing, like I guess I like the idea, but I think you could have given it to a more interesting dude. Yeah. No, I I, I can see that. Um. Uh, this was really setting up a a rivalry between JBL and Jericho, uh, which interestingly. Helped me 
get on TV on Monday Night Raw because I made a sign that said, just JBL just about to lose to Y2J. Can we can we watch that match so I can see you? Uh, it was just a promo that JBL did, so I mean, I, I guess we could. You really only see me for like a second. It doesn't matter. I want to see Tiny Peyton holding. And a I'm sign. pretty sure I've sent I've sent you a a picture of it. I can't believe that was your first television appearance. Now look at you podcasting and everything. I actually was uh, in the background of some more wrestling shows, but that was my first time being like super close up. Uh, but anyway, Jericho's going to end up having a feud with JBL, and shortly after that, he launches into what is possibly his greatest storyline of all time when he takes on Shawn Michaels again. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about all all next week. I wanted to do a whole Jericho episode, but then I got to the Shawn Michaels thing, and I was like, there are too many good matches. We might as well do a whole episode about it. I'm very interested to see uh, see all these Jericho-Michaels matches. And, and Jericho's still going strong, Yeah. Yeah, he uh, unless he's lost the title, uh, he was the AEW champion. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was uh, I believe the first. Uh, oh yeah, he he's the first and only AEW World Champion. Wow. Um, so far, uh, so you know they're kind of, they kind of used him to really put the company on the map. Uh. And, you know, he still has his podcasts and his rock band. And Jericho's going to go down as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, despite how much you hate him. I don't hate him. I, I know. I, I, and, you know, maybe my, I think that my mind will, will continue to change about him as we see him in these Michaels matches. Uh, I, I just feel like, you know, he didn't really distinguish himself too much until his return. Um, fair enough. And that's where I'm starting to see a lot of personality coming out of Jericho. So I'm excited to see see what else he has for us. But I'm glad he got rid of that dumb ponytail that was on the top of his head. That was stupid. Yeah, he has definitely gone through a lot of different hairstyles. Because he's back to long hair now. Is he really? Yeah. Huh. And then he also has gone to trunks instead of pants. And I've never been a big fan of that. Yeah, I don't think I would be either. I'm going to have to Google some pictures. Because when he would wear title belts, it would make him look naked. Ugh. Yeah, ugh, indeed. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it here at Turnbuckle Training. Again, next next time in two weeks, we're going to be talking about Chris Jericho's 2008 feud with Shawn Michaels. It's going to be a really good one. Really excited for that. Uh, but in the meantime, you can always follow us on Twitter at Termical Train. Uh, let us know if there's anything you'd like to see because I am running out of ideas and I'm going to need to kind of restock our, our episode list pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. So any storylines, wrestlers, um, wrestling types, like types of matches, anything like that that you've listened to our show and you're just interested in, uh, you've got more questions about, let us know and we'll check it out. Thanks for listening. It's me, Austin! The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Oh, son of a bitch! I did it for the rock.